From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. And I'm happy to say we have on the line Rob Hutchinson. Rob, how are you doing? Very well in yourself, Benji. Now, I'm sure that you had a very busy time there at Dear South Africa monitoring what was going on with the elections and seeing how things were going. When we spoke on Monday, it was in the middle of elections that we were going through what the different permutation was. I have to say, in the run-up to the elections with corona and with the short time period, in, in some respects, we, we were looking at a low turnout and we thought that it would also mean a sort of low intensity election, which wouldn't really give us any result. But in the end, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a rip snorter, as Aussies like to say. <laughs> Rip snorter, indeed, yes. No, it was it was a surprise in in some respects, but um, a lot of the to be expected in in other respects. There's there's no doubt the low voter turnout definitely had had an effect. It was also to be expected. I think voter apathy is at an all time high, as the public are despondent with all all the all the candidates, and and the ruling party. And as we know. From uh, historically speaking, ANC voters, when they're upset, they don't vote. They just don't turn up, and they they don't vote for another party. Generally, they just don't don't turn up. But it's good to see some of the um, surprises, like the uh, the new parties, like Action SA, that have um, made quite a splash on their on their first first outing as as a as a political party. So the f- fantastic results there. But you've yeah, got to I mean, look. It, it, Rob's, uh, what I'd say is it's interesting mm. because when we were expecting low to- turnout, we just kind of thought that, you know, there's the old adage of the high tide or the low tide drops all the boats or raises all the boats, depending on which way the tide was going. But actually, it ended up being slightly differential. The tide affected some boats more than others, uh, and there was uh, a particularly uh, bad result for the DA and more particularly for the ANC. And and what was interesting is that is that even the EFF, which which grew slightly in terms of wards and and places that they captured, but they actually got a million less votes than last year. So it did it did drop everyone, but but it, the 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 effect was not the same on everyone. Exactly, exactly. Well, there was a much smaller pool to choose from this time, and more parties contesting as well, and some big names and big big players. So the pool of voters would would be naturally spread out. Uh, amongst all of amongst all of those other players, but yeah, it's it, very interesting to see the EFF actually achieve as much as they did, even though they had half as many votes as last as during the nationals, because that could be a sign of of things to come in the 2024 elections, which is obviously a, a national election, but might might uh, turn out to be possibly the most important national election we've had since '94. Given the given the current trends, yeah, absolutely, it is going to be interesting to watch. Now, what's important, maybe for for listeners, is because of this differential change and, and how it affected different people differently. Particularly here in Gauteng, we've been left in a situation where every single one of the municipalities 
is what they call a hung municipality, a minority one, where, where the ANC is no longer the majority party. It's now what they call the polarity party. It's the party that is the biggest minority. And just because you're the biggest minority doesn't necessarily mean that you end up sort of running the, running the, the, the city or the municipality. So, so talk to us about the permutations around this because you don't necessarily have to have formal coalitions. You can have minority governments. You could just have to pass a budget and, and put a mayor in and a speaker. What are the kinds of ways that parties will be starting to approach this? And what kind of timeline before we sort of really understand who's going to be in charge where and when? Well, look, there's, there's no doubt that there's going to have to be a, a coalition government. And in some ways, that, that, that's a good thing. That does keep the uh, previous, previous dominant party on its toes. I'd like to say they are the majority minority, if <laughs> to put it a, a different way. But yes, that's, you know, it's, it's actually an opportunity for, for the ANC to not actually show that they do care about the electorate and the people that they serve, especially at a, at a municipal level. We haven't seen much action from them while they've had the confidence of being a majority party and you know, they, where they control the votes outright. But now they're going to have to be on their toes, actually do their work. They can't sit back and, and not, um, and not perform, especially uh, when it comes to service delivery. Will we see more service delivery protests? No doubt from the people that voted ANC back into power in, in those areas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all we can do. But maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. We might see a turnaround in, in the ANC, the way they govern, but it might also bring other parties, uh, closer to, to the, what the voters want as well, where they'll have to now keep the ANC on their toes. But, you know, in these coalitions, I think we still have to work out how and who's going to run this coalition, how it's going to work exactly, and who's to blame when things go wrong. And that's, that'll be a tough one for, for any party to to actually get get going together in, in an amicable way. Talking today to Rob Hutchinson, doing your electoral wrap-up for the 2021 elections. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Hi FM, talking today to Rob Hutchinson on the election wrap-up for the show. Just... Uh, Figuring out what is likely to happen in terms of uh, the going forward for the for, for now that we have these uh, election elections are over and we've got all these hung municipalities. Rob, do we know when when these places actually have to constitute? Like, do there, is there like a timeline when when we can expect to see who who's in place? Yes, actually, there is. They've got about fourteen days. Well, not about. They've got exactly 14 days to sort out everything, to place the new, newly elected officials, to sort out all the paperwork and everything else, and then, and then make the announcements with with the IOC that they have actually managed to take over, reappoint, and, and place people in in the proper seats. So that's uh, 14 days' time. We should hopefully be seeing some. Some change, as promised, already taking place in, in local municipalities. Um, but there again, we'll have to, have to wait and see. But it's up to, up to the public to put the pressure on and, and make sure that these guys do actually say what they, they promised to do.
And if they don't, I mean, if you can't get a coalition, if there's something wrong, is there, what are the other options? Could they rerun elections for certain cities and that sort of thing? Is that part of the process? No, no, they couldn't, they couldn't re, rework elections. They'll have to come to some, some sort of agreement. And, you know, the best way to approach it is uh, a couple of suggestions from uh, one of the, one of the parties. I spoke to somebody from the Freedom Front Plus, Peter Danaker, who's actually the CEO. And he said the way to, the way that they would approach a coalition is to form a separate agreement, almost like a, a separate manifesto, which is the coalition's manifesto. And that would bring, eliminate the, the problem that they're going to have with different ideologies and conflicting ideologies between the parties. This is municipal. It's about governance and service delivery and party politics and ideology plays no part in, in this. So the first thing a coalition will have to do is agree that, that that is the case and then assign different roles with different responsibilities and, and monitor each, monitor each other to make sure that these things do actually happen. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. I mean, particularly in Joburg, there seems to be a, a bit of what they call a Mexican standoff, you know? So you've got the DA who won't work the, work with the EFF, uh, Action SA who won't work with the ANC. The ANC is not sure who it wants to work with anybody. The way the EFF is talking, they don't want to be in part of the government. So it's kind of a, a weird situation where you can't get all of the required parties to sit around the table because no one wants to talk to anybody else. <laughs> it is. And that's a, that's a major problem. Because, you know, the reason they don't want to talk to each other is because of their difference in ideology. And there's a certain lack of trust or definite lack of trust between the parties. And that filters down into, into the, into the people that they're meant to serve. You and I, of, of course, we know we will no longer trust the government. And will we trust a coalition? That's going to take a lot of work from the coalition itself to communicate and establish those those bonds of trust between themselves and and the public. So I think there's a lot of work to do here. There's, um, and maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a good thing, because in 2024 at the Nationals, there's a good chance that the ANC will drop below 50% in that, as these elections are generally a reflection of what's to come in a national so we've got two years to learn how to be an effective coalition government. So maybe these parties will learn or use this time to to learn how to cooperate and work together. Now, Rob, we spend a lot of time in your segments on this show talking about the issue of uh, governance at the level of parliament and putting in public submissions. We have dealt once or twice with submissions to do with with cities, particularly something that hits residents very hard, which is uh, raising of uh, salaries when it comes to councillors and all this sort of thing. But is there a broader role that organisations like yourself or even people in the city can play when it comes to public participation? I know, for example, that there is actually an official officer that takes petitions in the in the in the, excuse me, the city of Johannesburg. Uh, how effective is public participation when it comes to these sorts of things? And, and can we as citizens be mobilizing more effective when it, effectively when it comes to city issues to try and get stuff on the agenda? Without a doubt, Benji, without a doubt. In fact, now is the time where we should be stepping up our, our involvement in our, in our democracy and participate in absolutely every way possible. There's, there's no doubt that it's up to us, especially because it's going to be – coalition government in 
in I'd say in about 30% of these municipalities will have a coalition government. So the public has to uh, hold that government uh, coalition accountable and keep them on their toes and make sure that they do uh, what they say they're going to promise to do. And the beauty of this is, is the mm-hmm. South African constitution um, mandates that government has to uh, make, put every decision out for public comment and the public must be involved in the uh, daily governance issues, decisions, policy making and, and so on. And the local municipalities do it. They generally uh, publish calls for comment on, on their websites. Uh, a lot of them don't do it, but they have to publish it in some local publication. But we as an organization will keep an eye on that, um, step up the game quite considerably, especially in the hung municipalities, and inform the public of how they can get involved, have their say, and keep the coalition on, on their toes. And that's actually the point, right? Is that in a funny way, sometimes having one party in charge is, is, is bad because you can complain to that party and it can't afford to ignore you before the next elections. But when you've got people in the coalition, there's actually a variety of entry points where you could go to different parties and say, Hey, this is an issue in the city. We need to sort it out. Will you take it up? Uh, and, and because they're part of the coalition, but not necessarily part of the party, you, it's, it's, it's more unstable, but it's also potentially easier to get certain issues aired. Definitely. And that's, I think that that's, this is the time where the public are actually going to be in control of, of the outcomes of all of these decisions. And the public will be responsible for ensuring that service delivery does actually happen. We can't rely on, a, on one single party. But as you say, there is great opportunity to, to actually get involved through many different angles now. And I suppose that's the only thing that we have to make sure of is that there is some sort of agreement at the at the end of the day, and you don't have one one member of a coalition upsetting upsetting the apple cart and then affecting everything, affecting service delivery on on that level. So yeah, it's 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 actually going to be great. The coalition involves not just the parties, but the public as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is uh, very very interesting. And of course, the place where people can start with this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm sure. We'll be discussing more, Rob, as we go on about some of the campaigns that you go on. But there is a ward councillor now where where people can go and speak to the ward councillor about their concerns. How much power does a ward councillor have to really change them? That, that, I think, is the question we often get from people. Yeah, yeah so that is a question that, that has pop, uh, popped up quite often. Yeah, the ward councillors can uh, they can do what they can, especially the independents. They can shout in, in the council meetings, raise their points, but they are just a lone voice. So if, if it's a, a small representation that doesn't have the, the backing of a party, then they can always show the support that they have from the public, uh, get the public involved in there, and it immediately changes the, the ball game there. No, no uh, polit- politician or political party wants to upset a large number of uh, residents or, or uh, constituents. So that's that's the opportunity where the smaller guys and in independents can actually get their voices heard, is have the public backing them up. But they still have an opportunity to go to the Speaker of the House and to form uh, coalitions or lodge complaints and, and so on and so on. There are pretty strict and robust processes in place. So I think, you know, we always talk about uh, where change happens from. And 
I'm a full believer that change happens from the bottom up, not from the top down. And the local municipal elections and these local coalition governments is is a way for us to actually decide if change does really happen from from the bottom up. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that's crucial and also crucial in terms of the money. I mean, if we look at municipal services, Rob, the biggest issue, in my view, is just that money gets stolen. It just doesn't go to the place or or, or misappropriated or, or whatever. It just doesn't go to the places where it needs to go. I think if you were able to solve that at a local level somehow, that would be half of the battle won, in my view. Without a doubt, again, yeah, without a doubt. And we've seen uh, so many municipalities failing because of um, you know, misappropriated funds and funds going where they shouldn't go and just outright stealing in most cases. But hopefully... Coalition governments will be more transparent. Accountability measures will be put in place. And, you know, you won't get, uh, like what happens in the majority, no matter who's running that majority, you get people looking out for, for each other to cover up corruption. So, if there's more people with their, with their, with their uh, skin in the game, um, in, in the coalition government, then hopefully that will put a curb to corruption. You know, but there again, we must remember that it's it's the, the public have to be uh, kept in in the in the loop on that, and the only way you can do that is to be proactive in that manner. Yeah, and I think that that's actually maybe the message people have already complaining. Our coalition's going to be more unstable and and not as effective. And and the answer really is actually up to the public. You've got kind of got to. As, as, as Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg might say, you've got to kind of lean into your coalition if you really wanted to make it work. Definitely. And there's, there's many ways you can do that. The, the coalition government, especially at a local level, does offer, offer, offer opportunities for representatives from the public or public representative bodies, civil society organizations, to actually have an oversight function on, on the running of a local municipality. So we should see local local organizations or even local businesses stepping up to that uh, or taking control of that that responsible action and you know performing a more proactive role in making sure that service delivery is carried out in these municipalities yeah absolutely i think that that's going to be very very interesting from from that perspective now rob um you are going back to uh real life now that the elections are over uh, tell me what's coming up on your show this week. Not too sure just yet. I'm toying around with the idea of um, getting someone in to speak about voter apathy and why we see such a, a prevalence of voter apathy, what causes it, how to overcome it, and and so on. So it would be quite interesting to get uh, – and I know a few good people who can – you can chat to us about that and maybe give a few tips and tricks and insights in, into why people would rather not vote and stay out of it and not be involved and maybe try and encourage people over the next few weeks to overcome that apathy and, and get involved. I mean, for me, what I've maybe realized is that is, is that actually voter apathy, people need to stop moaning about it. It's almost as though right, if people want to be um, apathetic, well, that's their problem, but it turns out that if you vote and other people are apathetic, it makes a massive difference, as we've seen in this election. I mean, it's not a good outcome, and I would ha- be happy to see more people vote, but if they're not going to, actually, it's more of an incentive for people to vote, because it actually means your vote counts for more. 
Absolutely, it does. <laughs> the fewer people there are, the more the few people that are mo- uh, voting, the more effective your one vote can be. Yeah, but like I said, in 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 a coalition government, it is up to us to to make sure that that government actually delivers on on what it says, and and we can do that through many public participation processes that are that are available. But we have to care, and we have to overcome that 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 apathy, and actually realize that we're in control, not not our representatives. They are actually just representatives of us. So get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be stable, but it is going to be fun. And we're going to be tracking all of it with Rob Hutchinson as we go forward. So, Rob, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. And we're looking forward to getting back into the swing of things from next week, sort of just dealing with uh, public participation as we move forward with coalitions and actually, I guess, focusing again on Parliament and seeing uh, what what they have to offer. Absolutely. So Parliament is is going to be taking a break after the elections as they're going to recess. But what happens traditionally at the end of the year is uh, Parliament sort of clears out their, their timetable, which they were assigned at the beginning of the year, and they publish all the uh, calls for comment and amendments and every single change. And there's a flood of public participation events over December. So we'll definitely... Uh, keep keep your listeners involved and uh, alerted and uh, get them in, get them participating. Yeah. Wait, now hang on a minute. I have to just stop you there. So you're saying that they take a recess and then when the rest of the country goes on holiday, they suddenly start uh, doing all this public participation over December. It's exactly what happens. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. It gives gives us an opportunity through through the platform to keep people involved and we notify them through social media and, and do so. Um, uh, participation events through social media channels. And of course, everybody's on holidays, so they have got time to actually participate. So it's a, it's a good thing, but not really a bad thing at all. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. So then we will be giving you some homework over, over the holidays. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll chat to you again next week. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Benji. And thanks to the listeners.